You are listening to Future Voices, a podcast brought to you by Beha Futures Foundation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Futures Voices. My name is Eddie Trustevich, and I have a co-host today, Aida Hajic in Sarajevo, which is always a great thing. I've been recording a few podcasts on my own. Today's guest is Andrea Chordash. She's a venture partner, startup advisor, and tech entrepreneur enthusiast experienced in building and growing businesses, managing key partnerships, and leading innovation and digital transformation. Throughout her career, she has had the privilege to experience both company building and digital transformation journeys. She's worked with investors, founders, and CEOs on launching new tech ventures, as well as transforming the organizations they led from legacy to innovation and technology-driven. She grew up in Herzegovina, in Mostar to be precise. She graduated with a Bachelor of Science in Management with the highest honors, from the Rochester Institute of Technology. She subsequently earned her Masters of Arts in International Relations with merit from the Central European University. She has gained work experience in numerous countries around the world. From 2011 to 2015, she helped establish and grow the Herzegovina Association of Entrepreneurs. Her work was recognized by the University of Mostar, where she was an associate lecturer from 2014 to 2018. From 2015 to early 2018, she was also the CEO of Spark, a privately funded startup accelerator in Mostar. She helped build from zero to accelerating more than 35 tech startups and partnering with more than 40 organizations worldwide. In 2018, she also held the role of COO at Ensoft, a fast-growing software company in Bosnia-Herzegovina. In late 2018, Andrea made her way to Hamburg, Germany, where she was the group innovation director and member of the management board at a Swiss media company. Most recently, she has embarked on a new journey, becoming a venture partner at Helen's Rock, a family office founded by Sasha Dragic, a successful and trusted Central East European entrepreneur who has built fast-growing companies in diverse areas, from trading and manufacturing to sports betting, sports tech. As part of her role, Andrea supports all strategic activities with a strong focus on venture capital. To date, Helen's Rock has invested in over 10 tech startups in media and entertainment, digital health and well-being, blockchain and fintech, as well as over five VC funds as a limited partner. Helen's Rock is on a mission to enable innovative technology-oriented thinkers, creatives and doers from the CEE region to build game-changing companies that can contribute to a more sustainable future. And what an incredible career for such a young individual. Andrea, welcome to Futures Voices. We are absolutely honored and excited to talk to you. Thank you very much, Eddie. It is a pleasure to be here with you today. Yes, Andrea, thank you so much for just joining Eddie uh, and just confirming how impressed how uh, I am with your, with your biography. It's so incredible. We enlisted all your accomplishments and congratulations on such an incredible life path. I must notice uh, you're not so tech-driven education, yet you have achieved so much in the tech world. Can you tell us more about your journey and what led you to tech-driven businesses and, in general, uh, your tech-driven career? As with many things in life. So there are certain events that um, just happen, I would say, um, if you follow your instincts and try to discover what you're good at and what you're really passionate about. I grew up in really an entrepreneurial family. Um, 
the family that actually uh, led me to start thinking about tech entrepreneurship, to start thinking about, um, I would say, to start diving into science fiction uh, very early on, to really be curious about science, to be curious about the world. I think that's why uh, one of the reasons why I also decided to join the tech world. When I was in high school, uh, I was thinking about what I want to do, which career would I like to have, what's the area that I would really like to be good at. No, I was <laughs> one of those people that kind of wanted to do everything. I wanted to study medicine. I wanted to be a military pilot. I wanted to be so many things because I was just genuinely curious. However, when I was talking to um, some friends and to some people who have really gained uh, life wisdom, I realized that multiple areas really have already great scientists, great doctors, right? However, what I understood then, it was just a glimpse into it, I think, is that I would like to actually build companies and I would like to uh, help build tech companies and um, actually uh, make sure that I have an impact, which I always thought tech enables you to do. So that is why I decided to um, go on that path. Uh, fascinating learning about how important uh, all these influences in your early life are in terms of determining what career path you take. But given the fact that you had so many things that you wanted to be and then decided on something, the choice couldn't have been easy. And we know that you're a high achiever. Obviously, all your, all your uh, CV uh, aspects explain that exactly. And today, you're involved in Helen's Rock. It's a venture, venture partner's role. Can you tell us a little bit more about the family office that is being led by Sasha Dragic and how you eventually got to the position that you're in today? Because there were numerous steps that you had to undertake before you can become a venture partner. It definitely all started with, with Spark. So at Spark, I had a privilege of really uh, building a first privately financed startup accelerator in Mostar. It was thanks to a trust of uh, an entrepreneur uh, who is also founder of Ansoft um, that I got to have this opportunity. And there I worked with really young talent, with tech entrepreneurs, uh, with people who had um, amazing inspiration. Really, they had an amazing drive to change something, to invent something new. So uh, that is when I started. I think that's where this path uh, emerged. Uh, it led me to first work with uh, startup founders, later on to go and lead the innovation efforts um, of a Swiss media company, on to really understanding that I want to, again, go back to that early stage uh, dynamic space and really um, support the founders now in a different role, in a role really of an investor. So I think that's how I would describe this path. What I really am proud of is that after having spent seven years of really building companies and organizations, I, I didn't want to have that gap in knowledge and understanding of how it is 
uh, to really um, be part of an existing organization, to join a legacy-driven organization and to try to build something meaningful within the framework of existing culture, existing processes, and really a lot of given variables. I think that having both of those views or experiences has helped me to realize that what I want to do next really is to tap into what I love doing most is helping entrepreneurs uh, make an impact. And on the other hand, is really also making certain judgment calls when it comes to who you invest into and um, how you move forward with really shaping up uh, the network of uh, founders you supported. So that's something that I think I wanted to share with you. And um, now moving forward to uh, Helen's Rock. I met Sasha a few years ago. He really impressed me as an entrepreneur, as a really someone who is very driven by long-term strategy and making a positive impact on the lives of everyone he works with. What I thought, uh, what really connected to me well is that everything he does is built on trust. And that's what I truly believe in myself. That's, that's really my core value. Um, it's trust. So when I was thinking about what my next play should be, so to say, after uh, the last role at a Swiss-based media company, I really thought of joining his team, um, helping him um, really um, develop his portfolio uh, in the next period. I don't know, I would say, what, um, what this journey entails. To tell you very precisely, because we are very early on, what I do know is that with, with this team and as part of Helen's Rock, I'm on a growth path. And that's what I've always been into. That's what I always wanted to, uh, to continuously learn, to really make sure that wherever I invest my energy into, it makes a difference, it makes sense, it's worthwhile, and uh, it's really impacting positively uh, other people um, that I work with. Now, uh, just very briefly about Helen's Rock, so the VC activities in particular. We've invested in more than 10 uh, early stage startups, tech startups so far. We're really now shaping up our investment strategy and we want to make sure that we still keep enough flexibility uh, in the next stage. Um, but we do want to focus on the CE region and the founders from that region who really are driven and want to make an impact. I believe that most, if not everyone, already has heard about the Spark. With regard to that, uh, question about, firstly, your personality. You kind of have maybe taken on probably also a few jobs and stuff like that, but uh, you were more the entrepreneurship, like you have more this entrepreneurial mindset. So kind of how did, how did you come to that mindset? Because most of our students are being taught and probably also because of the social circumstances, everyone wants a job. But you go on and think about how to create a company, like how to make this job and how to build trust, how to build certain values. There's also a really strong and impressive leader within you. And 
like how would you how would you describe yourself first how how did you come to that entrepreneurial mindset and what type of a leader would you define you as like what is your preferred leadership method well that's a really uh, great question and it's actually the key right we're all very much impacted by leaders at each stage of our life so let me start here so how did i develop this mindset well while i was growing up in mostar i was constantly thinking about the environment and really the learning methods having been exposed to the educational system that i believe did not really uh, pay enough intent- attention on creative skills and really critical thinking i started exploring other sources of learning i would say i read a lot and was thinking a lot about just diverse topics uh, different mindsets all with uh, with an attempt to i would say to free my mind and to just make sure that i'm not influenced too much with just with the environment that i'm exposed to so i did not want to develop this closed mindset right what i really wanted to is to be on a path where i continuously learn where i'm really nurturing growth mindset that means that i wanted to always preserve this passion for learning passion for always testing my own boundaries trying to be better at what i'm doing and challenging myself all the time so that means that i wanted to let go of you know the typical ego uh ego play where i'm kind of in an environment where i constantly need to prove my worth right prove myself and i'm more driven with um external validation factors than really uh making a difference and doing something meaningful starting to think that way i obviously just was more risk prone and paid more attention to long term to really something that um is not temporary is not i would say focused on yeah finding a job and making sure that i reduce certain existential uh risks but it was more like there's a vast space of opportunities out there and i just wanted to discover those and actually even at a certain point create those for others but when we go back now to what i consider a good leader to be is let me start with values because that's where it all comes down to right so for me i always had trust respect for others and impact as three of my core values i think that if there was more trust and more genuine respect within the community things would be much different so i think then talent would have much more space to really leave their mark to make an impact and to discover what they really like to do what they're passionate about and to really just start helping each other instead of playing a kind of zero sum game um what was really critical when it comes to me thinking about developing my own leadership style i would not like to put any label on it but what i can tell you is for me it was always important that whatever i do as a leader it creates value for others i wanted to and this is something i paid a lot of attention to i wanted to make sure 
that I'm not part of that personality, cult of personality, or how, how would you put it? Like, really, I did not want it, anything I do to be about myself. I really wanted to make sure that my actions actually help build other leaders. It's, it's not about me or my ego or how great I am or what I've proven I'm capable of doing. It's really about how much value I made, uh, I've created and how big of a positive impact I had on people I worked with or I would say lives I've touched. Um, that's always been the case, and that's moving forward, really, uh, what stays at the core, right, really relevant for me. Last thing I would point out is my leadership and my thinking about business and building companies and really working with entrepreneurs, uh, helping them realize their visions, has been shaped by, by this great book written by uh, Jim Collins, Built to Last. He is uh, writing about this concept that he developed is really explaining the genius of end and how he really discards the tyranny of the ore. What this means is that, especially growing up in Mostar, I realized I've been in dismantled prison for too long of really thinking that there's always either or. There's always this choice that's really binary that you have to say it's either this or that, right? But that's really very wrong at its very core. And that's really making uh, many people believe that that's actually their choice, like either or. It influences their life very much so. For me, I always genuinely thought that you can, that multiple things that even despite of the fact that they're contrarian can exist at the same time. So, for example, uh, he's talking about visionary company that is not really just simply preserving the balance between pursuing profit and pursuing like, impact. That can exist both at the same time, right? It's not a zero-sum game. So that's something that I would like to share uh, definitely as it shaped me, and it still does. Um, because I, I strongly discard the binary logic and I really believe uh, that life is much more than that and multiple contrarian things can exist um, at the same time in um, perfect harmony, I would say. That's a really, really great answer, Andrea, and really tells us a lot about you as an individual. I, in particular, I love that last part uh, where you, you're basically saying that people need to move away from this uh, binary system of decision making because it limits our opportunity to think outside the box. It limits our personal progress as well as leadership development. As one of my personal mentors said, leadership is about paving the way so that others can succeed. Uh, goes very much to what you said before. Uh, you you sort of I wouldn't say in the shadows, but you prefer to basically lead in a way that the focus is not on you, but the focus is on the people, the processes and everything else that will drive success. Now, because you've talked about the development of an individual in an ecosystem that perhaps has a certain stigma to it and limits what you can and can't do based on this binary decision-making system. And we know very well uh, that Bosnia and Herzegovina is one of those places. I wanted to sort of go back and ask you, how important has interaction with international players 
been in your personal development in looking beyond uh, what's being placed right in front of you or you're in your immediate ecosystem while you were in Mostar? And then in the last three or four years, you spent significant time outside of our region. How important has that been in your personal development? And what would you recommend for others who are stuck in this binary decision-making system? Um, a really great point. So it has been essential, I would say. Um, being exposed to diversity, to different thinking, um, to different environments, different cultures has been essential. For me, um, it started when I was 18. I was 18, actually. My father actually asked me what I want to um, have for my 18th birthday. So because he was talking with my mother about what, like how I should be rewarded for all my efforts and it's my 18th birthday, right? So uh, they wanted to really do something special for me. And what I actually chose is I decided to go to Spain, to Madrid for a month to learn Spanish which was kind of like, <laughs> if you ask some, a strange decision for, uh, for 18th birthday, especially when you have like lots of other opportunities. For me, it was, again, all about learning and just going abroad and being exposed for a month to um, really living on my own, which was the first time uh, that I was uh, living on my own. I think that just, you know, starting to discover life stories of people who live in a very different environment, but who again had similar challenges as you did. Some of those, of course, were quite different, quite new. It really impacted me. Um, what I realized after that is I definitely uh, decided to study abroad. So ever since then, like it's, it's been really back and forth, right? So after uh, high school, I've spent six years abroad, studying abroad. It helped me learn so many things, get to know different people again. Like I've been exposed to systems of thinking and actually like very much challenged when it comes to my own mindset. Later in business, where I've always made an effort to build international partnerships. Again, very important. Always very important to do that because you're kind of then validating whether what you're doing is impactful enough and as high quality as you think it is, you can compare it to, you know, local circumstances or criteria and international criteria. But more importantly, you're starting to build really personal connections and uh, trusted partnerships that, that can last a lifetime. So what I would recommend to all young people, I would say, use all internship opportunities you have. Um, if you don't have those or don't think you have those, just create them for yourself. Everything can be done. Um, I've had a privilege to earn scholarships to also do my studies abroad. I've done a couple of internships, you know, some really like student jobs. One of those was in the US, New York. Um, all of those shaped me and uh, really, again, challenged me as a person, which is always the most essential. That's how you grow, that's how you evolve and make sure that uh, you're not stuck in one mindset, in, in one framework. Apart from that, I would say one advice I would give is when you feel like when you're confronted with a decision of whether to take 
a chance, take a risk, or just pass on and, and stay in your, I would say, secure setting, I would advise to at least once go for that risk path, challenge yourself, uh, take a risk. The worst thing that can happen is that you fail. But that's actually the best thing uh, that sometimes can happen to you because you learn so much. Your ego gets a really good lesson. You grow to be more humble. You appreciate much more. And you really understand that it's not about success, being right or wrong, proving something to, to others. It's more about making sure that you grow as a person and with your growth, you make sure that, again, you pave the way, pay the way for the others. And um, you're a better, I would say, leader, a friend, a partner to anyone um, you work with. That's such a great advice. And in particular, I love this part of failure, not to be afraid of failing. I've recently listened to an um, international entrepreneur, a, like a really successful businessman, I forgot really the name, who said, I am probably the one who failed the most in life, which was like so encouraging. And I would also just confirm that I, I just love it. And to encourage all the scholars of Beha Futures Foundation and anyone who's listening to this to really follow this advice. And given that you mentioned your experience with internationals and building this international infrastructure, you are from Mostar and you lived and worked there for such a long time. How would you describe the business and entrepreneurial landscape in Mostar and Herzegovina today in comparison to a few years ago, especially now that you have to compare it to uh, other experiences and places abroad as well? So how has, has anything changed and how? And how while growing up and working in Mostar, I got to know many extraordinary people, many extraordinary individuals who had an incredible drive to make an impact. But you know, the business landscape there um, always lacked diversity and overall support of the existing structures to really help entrepreneurship thrive and generally make sure that talent has a space to grow really, to, to, yeah, to seize opportunities. So there's a binary thinking strongly present there. I think that the, what stifles growth is definitely lack of institutional support, uh, for, uh, particularly for tech entrepreneurship. Generally, I think also lack of support for um, scientific progress. What I think is, I would say, the core issue. There are lots of topics that are really taboo topics. There is not enough transparent and open, di open dialogue. I would say there are not sufficient conversations based on scientific evidence instead of opinionated monologues. There's a low openness to diversity and kind of common progress. In instead of this, there is really... Again, going back to acting and thinking in terms of zero-sum games and overall either-or constructs. So there are lacking initiatives that invest into really providing talent with access to best education and career opportunities, which is essential. In the long run, it's really essential. And also, very importantly, there is a lacking sense of giving back to, to community. Bottom line, it, um, it all comes down to a collective mindset and values that are being reinforced through generations. And I think 
What I've experienced personally is also that's what it all comes down to. When it comes to Mostar, again, I think that there is a lot of potential for for the city to grow, for the entrepreneurship to thrive. Um, it's a multicultural city. Uh, it's really well positioned. It has some amazing people living there. But if it continues to really collectively be focused only on few really topics instead of diverse conversations and really open conversations, I fear that things will change very slowly. But what I'm confident about is that entrepreneurs and people who really create opportunities will find their way. Um, that's for sure. And I'm sure that also young talent will find their way to ultimately shape the better future uh, for all the, the new generations that are to come. Um, as part of that, I think it's essential that people have a chance to be exposed to international environments and have a chance also to leave and come back. That it, it also is not that, I would say, negative topic because people leaving the countries, such as I did, for example, a couple of times actually, particularly last uh, four years, that actually can be very beneficial. And again, it should not be looked at through a prism of really, is it bad or, or good? Um, it's something that's essential. It's a natural flow of events. And I think if, if the institutions, if the city worked on just creating more opportunity, many people would come back and yeah, decide to, again, build their lives um, in that environment. So from that perspective, I think, again, like things are not and should not be looked at as black and white, positive or negative. From my own experience, I think that that city has just a lot of potential. And many of us are cheering for your success, uh, not only those who are left uh, back home, but also those of us who live abroad, because we know how important it is to have great role models uh, doing incredible things all over the world. And touching on the topic of entrepreneurship in Bosnia and Herzegovina, now that you've had this opportunity to, obviously, you've worked with international clients before leaving uh, Bosnia and Herzegovina, but now you're in the international environment working with international clients. So I just want to see your perspective about what have you learned about the entrepreneurial ecosystem now that you're outside of the country and going, if you could go back in time now, a few years, because you did work uh, in an accelerator incubator in Mostad, and there are a few popping up throughout the country. What would you take away as lessons learned from your recent experiences that would help enhance the ecosystem back home? I'll touch upon my experience in the tech sector in Germany. That's the most uh, recent one. I would say it's uh, the most relevant one to talk about today. So I would say that um, the main difference between the IT sector, uh, the tech sector in Germany and Bosnia and Herzegovina is the stage of development, of ecosystem development. Um, this is, of course, influenced by different levels of economic activities in those countries. So, for example, German and specifically German IT sector is very driven by the needs of strong, medium to large companies that mostly do business worldwide and are therefore large IT contractors, right? Also, on the other hand, innovation is to a large extent driven by um, corporations who partner up with IT companies to develop new products and services. 
But what's essentially different is the level of access to finance and international talent. And I'm saying international talent, diverse talent. So in Germany, there is a strong network of business angels, family offices, VCs, and private equity funds investing in tech companies who are actually developing proprietary technologies, delivering their own products to, to, uh, to customers. Uh, particularly when it comes to mobility tech, logistics, financial tech, real estate, insurance. While in Bosnia and Herzegovina, um, the IT sector grew initially on the basis of really several companies outsourcing software design and engineering services to international clients. Later on, slowly evolving to building, um, developing their proprietary tech and delivering their own products to customers. Uh, but this is still very early stage. And when it comes to investments, um, so access to finance and international talent, this is extremely low um, in Bosnia and Herzegovina. And now going back to my learnings, if I would go back, I would work much more on access to talent, partnering up with individuals and organizations that can help startups enter new markets and really making sure that the location is attractive enough to bring international talent there. Because I think as long as we don't have that diversity in place in Bosnia and Herzegovina, it's hard to really evolve. It's hard to really get that pace, that dynamics of the sector of the tech sector that it actually needs, yeah, to get to that flywheel, I would say, uh, effect stage. So that's that's um, what I would really uh, much more work on. Uh, but I think that's essentially also um, something that should be supported by wider society, by a system. And um, it's really a question of uh, proper strategy that's to be laid laid down. And there's a lot of there's a lot of activity that that entails, but um, those those would be the key pillars. I couldn't agree more because when people always ask like whether I, I personally would leave Bosnia again or so, it's like, it's not like I don't love the country. Basically, uh, having had some international experience and coming back to Bosnia and having this lack of diversity, I can sometimes I just say I'm boring <laughs> because it doesn't um, provide all of these different cultures, different uh, ways of thinking. And when someone who uh, just comes to a new international environment sees how different people think, because sometimes we have this, as you said, this established way of thinking and binary and so on. And we think everyone thinks like that, but it's no, <laughs> it's basically, it's so amazing when you group up with, with different people, given everything what you've said, including what a proper leader is and the values that the leader should have, especially paving the way for others to grow mixed with the, the other inputs like establishing international ties. How do you see yourself in the future with regard to paving the way to Bosnian and Herzegovinians, people from Mostar, Herzegovina, I mean, the place that you have come from? Well, I think that um, in my current role of venture partner, I definitely have, am lucky like that to say I'm privileged uh, to be able to support the entrepreneurs coming from the region. 
uh, we've actually invested in a couple of those who are very successful and also serial entrepreneurs. I think that's number one. Number two, I'll always try to uh, take substantial time to mentor and coach emerging entrepreneurs from the region. Um, that's something that I enjoy and I want to give back, right? Because um, I was lucky to have great mentors along the way and people I've learned a lot from and I still am. And that's very important to me. Um, number three, I'm trying to support initiatives that are coming from the region focused on access to education, access to finance, and really to uh, diverse career opportunities. So that's what I would like to continue doing. I think that it ties back into what's really the most essential is making sure that young people have access to best education, have access to really learning from people that have seen a variety of, I would say, a variety of topics have been exposed to different cultures and are experts in the subject matter, of course. It made all the difference for me in my life. And we can't but not touch on the topic of coronavirus. We've spoken about how coronavirus has impacted pretty much every facet of life, but we haven't really talked about how coronavirus has impacted or changed the world of tech investing the world of startups in general, uh, would love to hear your opinion on what has changed for the positive and the negative in the sense of tech investing and how has it impacted Helen's Rock? I think that it all changed uh, for the better, I would say. So um, coronavirus pandemics has really accented the significance that the technology has on our lives. So the power of technology. I think that when it comes to VC tech investments, there have been numerous trends emerging because really everyone, even non-traditional investors, have started investing in technologies, in certain spaces particularly, such as food technologies, warehousing and risk management really to pandemic-proof the supply chains, um, mixed reality to make sure that we compensate on one side uh, part of what before was really the physical experience and on the other side to really explore that mix of how the experience could be even better and how digital and physical um, lines are blurring. Biotech, um, well, that's a big one. And then maybe finally to what else to mention is really the education technologies. What I've been particularly interested to look at is the healthcare, consumer, enterprise IT, and autonomous vehicle segments. So basically, um, what's been also driving VC investments, um, where I would say VCs invested more than $5 billion lately in healthcare, is really in healthcare-focused AI startups. We've all seen how important healthcare education, supply chains, and some really foundational infrastructural areas have been. And we've learned all the weaknesses, I think. That's where the tech came in, and the tech can make all the difference. So I think that things, again, did change for the better, because we now know that some tech investments that 
we are doing now, like again, saying we are doing now, I'm also uh, wearing a hat of a venture partner, we should have even done earlier, right? But again, why the activity is increasing right now in that space is because coronavirus pandemic has made us all more open to technology, uh, more open to really adopting new products, to experimenting, to just figuring out how to do things differently. And um, I think it will, in the long run, beyond the pandemic, make us more resilient. And it will, um, and some investment trends will continue for sure. Again, especially in the spaces that I've just mentioned. I want to finish up on a very sort of positive note, and I'm going to read uh, something that you used your, in your valedictorian speech, which I, I absolutely love. Never allow fears to destroy your vision, prejudices to prevent you from growth, cruelty to embrace your heart, greed to haunt your mind, or tumble to shade your flair. Uh, absolutely brilliant uh, quote, and I'm going to quote you on this in the future as well, Andrea. But perhaps finish yourself on a positive note. What do you see uh, the future of entrepreneurship like in our uh, region of growth, where we've absolutely um, loved to come back and make, make an impact? And you certainly are uh, by investing, but also by advising. Um, would love to hear a positive spin on that. Uh, thank you, Eddie. I think that we'll see much more impact investments being made because some trends have been, I would say, exposed or people are paying much more attention to those such as climate change. Impact investment in areas such as, again, agriculture, education, infrastructure, really biodiversity, health uh, and energy. But when it comes to comes back to region, um, I think that we are seeing some great entrepreneurial stories coming from the region. I think that there's a certain momentum that's shaping up there. And in the future, we'll be seeing, I believe, uh, the fruits of multiple entrepreneurs, really serial entrepreneurs, spinning off new companies and really building new generation of leaders. And this critical mass will really make sure that in that region, uh, more companies, more tech companies are being built really with this critical mass of uh, already successful entrepreneurs and those who actually have been exposed to different stages of building their businesses, they will be able to advise emerging entrepreneurs. They will be able to help them access new markets with investors increasing their investment activities in the region with people living abroad who are from the region helping much more and being connected to the region more. I think we will get to a point where we'll see things really, um, yeah, changing for the better. And um, again, entrepreneurship being celebrated uh, in the wider society, particularly tech entrepreneurship and, you know, new topics emerging and uh, people speaking much more about entrepreneurial journeys and in mass media even, uh, which is very important. And uh, I hope kids are being exposed very early on to topics of entrepreneurship. So that's something that I see um, as the future uh, in the region. 
And we've already seen some signs of this and some amazing people really uh, coming together and moving these uh, amazing initiatives forward. And I'll finish off by saying the dots have been connecting, the dots are connecting, and the dots will continue to connect. Andrea, thank you for connecting with us and thank you for supporting our work. Uh, we're very proud of all of your achievements and we wish you all the very best in this venture and also all the other ventures that we know you will be involved with in the near future. Uh, there you have her, everyone, Andrea Chordash, a venture partner, startup advisor, tech entrepreneur, enthusiast, and she is from Mostar doing some incredible things. Please follow her work as well as the work of the Bosnia-Herzegovina Futures Foundation. That's it. That's all we have for today's episode of Futures Voices. Eddie Trustovic here in Melbourne, Australia, Aida Hajic in Sarajevo, and I failed to mention that Andrea is speaking to us today from Vienna, uh, where she's recently moved. So there you have everyone. We look forward to having you on our show again in the near future.